Welcome back to the Graveyard Shift Times 2. I'm Nathan Rouse. And I'm James Pugh. And today we're joined by an official champion. Uh, and a government trusted one at that. Uh, Tim Luft is an expert in all things digital and VR, which is uh, virtual reality for the uninitiated. Uh, but today he's joining us in the flesh and we're all the richer for it. Uh, Tim, a couple of years ago, you were quoted saying the West Midlands can become Britain's answer to Silicon Valley as the crucible of the new digital industrial revolution. Do you still believe that? And why? And that's our start of 10. I do still believe it. I, I think the West Midlands has tremendous opportunity on the digital edge. We, we're not very good. And you, you and I talked about this before we started the interview. We're not very good at telling people about it. But Agreed. we have some really wonderful digital experts in this, in this right. region, you know, both in terms of the companies, the programmers, the developers, our universities are churning out really high-skilled right. programmers in the area. And we've got some companies doing some great stuff. Okay. And outside of the Midlands, certainly when you go overseas, people recognise the West Midlands as being a tech cluster. It's seen that. I'm okay. People think about computer games that are built locally, but, right, okay. but we're seeing that across my industry all the time. But even that, I wouldn't, you know, and I've, you know, we did quite a bit of work around here and, you know, we're, we're always looking for innovation. Um, and you talk to, you know, even when I was at the paper, sort of writing about the occasional, you know, I-54 and I was like, whoa, it's going to be this fantastic sort of revolutionary corridor that's linking us everywhere. But then it really goes quiet. Um, yeah. And it's really funny, actually, because, you know, we talk about being a, a digital industrial revolution being here where we are in, in Ironbridge at the, the heart of the, uh, the real one, the kind of original one. Um, it almost seems fitting that you're here championing no, I, the cause. I think it's great. I mean, I've been talking to the Ironbridge Museum for many years. We've been talking about the need to create some sort of digital incubator here. This yeah. is exactly where we need to encourage innovators, entrepreneurs of the future to come and design those new products. I think one of the problems that we don't hear about it all the time is is that a lot, and if you take my company as an example, a lot of our clients aren't based locally. So we'll supply to emergency services around the world, we'll supply product to universities and colleges, we'll supply okay. uh, all over the, the country and, and Europe. So because our client base is probably outside the region, we're not very good at telling people in <laughs> yeah. Telford and Shropshire, yeah. actually we're here, we're doing yeah, this, yeah. and we ought to find more opportunities because there are some bigger clients in, in Shropshire which we really? should be doing more with, certainly around Telford and the big sort of manufacturing base right, okay. we've got. And so when you're finding, because again, we've talked quite a lot about skills with various mm. other people, do you then find the programmers and developers, is there a rich source of that in the, or are they coming in from outside the county? It, it's got a lot better. And I, you have to thank our universities for that. You've got locally, we recruit from Wolverhampton, from Staffordshire, from Birmingham City. You know, we're not too far from Birmingham, actually. So you can recruit students who have been on computer games degree courses. Uh, when I set the company up, it was all a student base. You know, I recruited probably 70% of our team initially were graduates, okay. all from local universities. And that's got that's got better and better and better. And and actually, I, I only found out the last couple of years, Staffordshire University, we've got the biggest computer games degree course in the country. You know, oh, I mean, wow. literally, they've got hundreds of people applying to it. Yeah, with well, no offence to Staffordshire oh, University, no, but it had always yeah. been fairly... Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I think down. the universities are doing a lot more okay. to get the excitement and the interest from students to study digital. I think that generally there's a real interest in digital. Okay, you've got some 
you know, you, you, you've got Oxford and Cambridge doing absolute leading work with quantum and AI and all this wonderful stuff. But what we do and we need is a real skill in programming, in art, in design, in motion capture. The area I'm excited about, and it, it's it's your industry, it's media. You know, mm -hmm. the, this there's a, there's a big and it's slow and it's gentle, and we're only just noticing it. But so something called virtual productions coming along rapidly means you don't need to create film and TV studios all over the world and fly everybody around. You can use a backdrop of a games engine to create that that backdrop. And Game of Thrones is a good example. Right. You know? um, and whilst that skill you need for that, that's that's your skill that we use for programmers, for 3D, for people who can program in Unreal and Unity games engines. That skill is only just at the cusp. So, we're, And again, that's where the Midlands could play. And that's massive. entire backdrop stuff. That's like Absolutely. you don't actually have to go on location. You could have done Lord of the Rings without going to New Zealand. Absolutely. Right, no. okay. you, know, you just need a big 360-degree room with a big green curved screen. That's where the actors, actresses go. And then literally it's overlaid by uh, on a digital wow. backdrop. And it's, the quality of the digital is so good now, you can't tell the difference. It's very right. hard to tell the difference. Yeah. And, and I think that whole special effects area in our industry is going to completely explode in the next five years. Well, it's funny, really, in terms of in terms of development of that, then, because, you know, we've talked about taking a Polaroid of all our guests beforehand <laughs> and <laughs> seeing the gap in quality between not only the fact that, you know, your viewfinder is completely away from where the lens is, so you can yeah. never centre anybody, um, <laughs> but obviously the pictures are two quid a pop. You have to wait, obviously, for each one. You're not going to do seven like you would mm. do if you're going to do a, get your iPhone out. I mean, it's amazing to kind of look at how that's developed. And these are now having a retro moment, mm. aren't they? Because people are going, well, I quite like the feel of that. I quite like the yeah. non-digital. So the issue when obviously when you get a big spike of digital, is there then a non-digital backlash? Are people going, I don't want VR. I don't want yeah. a green screen. I want to be I flown to New Zealand. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's probably a bit of that. <laughs> Certainly if I was one of the actors, I think I'd quite fancy that Please. as well. Uh, I think you're always going to get that little bit of uh, nostalgia, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. You know, I rec I've bought an electric car, but I've still got an older gas guzzling, V8 you know, somewhere. <laughs> somewhere hidden away in the garage. Yeah. I'm not quite ready to give up on, and I think you, you'll have the same in all these industries. Yes, you've got an analog watch. Yeah, exactly. I've got the iWatch, and, right. and and that, and I think you know, people of our generation probably are gonna. That's going to carry on for a little bit longer yet, right, okay. and I think that is the case. But I think the same with film and TV. So there's sometimes you can't go out. You can't do everything digitally. You've got to go out to certain sets and locations. But yeah. a lot of these shows now you can, which is why I think the BBC have moved back into Birmingham. I heard there's a new studio being built there. Stephen Knight, who, who, who did the Peaky Blinders, is building a new studio oh, in the fantastic. middle of Birmingham. So that's going to really help. Wow. Mm. Uh, Tim, uh, for the novices out there, how would you describe you know, exactly what virtual reality is uh, and the type of things it's used for? Um, I think there was a story we saw... Um, Today, actually, that um, it's being used to train London's future doctors. Yeah. Um, so is it, you know, becoming more and more used? I think, yeah, we do a lot of medical this? medical training in mm. virtual reality. So there's two types of, there's this horrible term XR, which is everything virtual, but there's virtual reality and augmented reality. Mm. Virtual reality is where you put the headset on, you know, you literally put a physical headset on your head, and suddenly you've got this 360 view of the world that completely you're completely immersed in something where you, that, that could be anywhere. And it, it's because it's 360, because it's right up by your eyes and you are immersed in it, and you pop your hands up and you, the hand tracking, you suddenly see your hands appear virtually so you can move and touch and grab things in this virtual world. 
it's ideal for training, you know, because it, it doesn't, you're not having to do anything that's dangerous or hard. I mean, imagine in a doctor, you can't make mistakes, whereas you can in a simulator. <laughs> uh, same with yeah. the police or trying to do anything that's, you know, we, we, we do a lot of work with medical technology because medics want to, to train people in this way. We do a lot of training in the rail industry because they want to train people how to respond to a major incident or, some, or, or potentially a fatality, which you just can't do. Mm. And, and people, I've seen people sweating, getting nervous because they feel it's that realistic because they're, they, once you're immersed in this environment. So virtual reality is all about being immersed in that 3D virtual environment, but an environment that you can do stuff in, you can move objects, you can touch, move, etc., as you would in the real world. It's a complete replication. Now, when we started off in VR probably seven years ago, it was flaky, you know, we were, we, we, we were using mobile phones, sticking it in a box, putting it on your head. And I have to say the quality of the VR headsets now is so much better. Well, it's so good because, James, you, you've done it. You put a headset on and you had to yeah. walk across a plank. Oh, yes. And we, couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, it was a networking event. I don't know even if it was your, um, your stand or somebody else, but yeah. We, we built that. Yeah, yeah, it was, well. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was literally transported yeah. on this high-rise building, went in a lift, went upstairs, and then basically I was walking off, found myself walking off the end of a building. And although I knew I was actually... One inch safely inside, um, my, my literally my legs were shaking uh, uncontrollably, and my mind couldn't tell my legs. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> yeah, but it was so realistic, it, yeah. and it was like I was walking off the end of That's the building. That's the power of the technology. It's incredible. Phenomenal. You see people that are that would have never happened seven years ago. You'd have had no. some sort of clunky. Yeah, oh, here yeah, I am. Yeah, but obviously, now it's so realistic it, it was. Yeah, yeah. no, it, absolutely, and we we've seen that. I mean, we took. That demonstrator to shows, and I have to have people walking alongside each individual now, just because they could fall over. That's right, yeah. Um, so absolutely, but if you think about oh, it, God, you, you know, I read in the America, the uh, defence sector now are teaching for soldiers that are coming out of war. You know, the whole PTSD, the training now to to reduce anxiety is being done in VR mm. because they can take them back to environments they were in, and they can use VR as a tool to actually uh, 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 tackle things like PTSD and anxiety. So we've just seen it. I've seen doctors use VR for pain uh, distraction. People, I've seen VR being used to teach people, uh, not just teach doctors, but also, you know, um, uh, uh, engage. And, and if you think where we're going with this, and I know Facebook. It gets mixed emotions. It's meta now, isn't it? Yeah, it gets mixed emotions, you know, and, and you think, oh, you, know, you read these stories about Facebook share price down 80% or something yeah. ridiculous. Thank and it really, it's sticking, uh, he spent 10, 12 billion on, on the metaverse already. The vi and I think half the problem is his timing. You know, he's he moved into this at a hell of a pace. And I think the rest right, of us okay. in the world haven't quite caught up. As we yeah. were talking about VR, it's taken five years to get from a yeah. clunky headset of a phone to where we are now. It's not going to be 12 months before we're doing this interview in the metaverse. It's probably going to be another three, four years. Can we, though? Can we be, can we do <laughs> I would also love to do this. We yeah. should do a split podcast where we go, right, this was an analogue version brought to you it. by, yeah, yeah. and then we'll go to your studio. Um, well, I think that's the, the technology's there, isn't it? We all put a headset on, meet each other around a virtual table and have this conversation. And, and the environment we could be having it in could be in a beach in Barbados, or it could be, that's the beauty of... Like a director's uh, board meeting. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we don't actually have to leave yeah. Ironbridge. You know. And I think that's, that's interesting, because that's probably where a lot of us is going to go. I was chatting to a client yesterday who was saying to me, it was a rail company, I won't mention their name, but they said, Tim, we really want to train all our rail staff at the same time. So we want to train the driver, the train, the conductor, the dispatcher, the person who does the ticketing. We want the whole station environment. So can you do it where you've got all seven people 
all involved in, a, in that virtual simulation at the same time, like a multiplayer game almost, wow. which you can, but then you're talking about metaverse, you're about lifting everything into the cloud, putting everything into a virtual environment and giving everybody a role, creating an avatar for everybody. And, and that's, that's where it's going to go, but it's going to take time. God, it's so exciting. It? But it's not that we... Jack's really interested here. I weave yeah. Jack into every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's not... But Jack, yeah, this, is your, this is your sort of bag. You haven't got a mic, so I don't say anything. Yeah. But this is definitely, <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> his bag. You know, yeah, yeah. It's that, that sort of stuff is, 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 was gameplay, as you yeah. said, maybe a few years ago. And now it's becoming the reality really? of virtual reality. I mean, yeah. it seems weird to but say it like COVID's that. helped, though, in, in, a, right, in okay. a funny sort of way. A, that's a good headline. COVID's helped. It's helped in three ways. One, it, everybody start, had to use technology at home, you know, to conduct, and even just using Zoom, you're using tech to do, yeah. to do stuff at home, which you wouldn't have done before. B, everyone was bored, and they went out and bought an Oculus Quest headset. You know, the sales of that headset went up by 570% during COVID because everyone went, oh, oh I'll give wow. VR a try. So right. suddenly you've got a whole young generation of people who have gone out and bought a VR headset. Virtually going VR. to the office. Going yeah. to the office. This is this great. great. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's so suddenly you've got people that are now a little bit more tech savvy, willing to use technology for their day-to-day -day work, which we would have... Mm, it wouldn't have done that before. And now you're starting to use VR. So when we talk to an organization about VR, they're not saying, oh, what's VR? Well, let's try it out. Whereas five, three, four years ago, it would have been, oh, no, it's way too early for us. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's, that's made a big jump in the way VR is used. And actually, I'm seeing, I'm no expert on the entertainment side, because our product is mainly commercial piece to be yeah. training. But we're seeing more use of VR in places like universities, colleges, company training centers, than I hear about people buying it as an entertainment Fine. experience. Yeah. It's, it's changing a hell of a lot. But you said there was kind of, you talked, uh, she touched, said sort of what VR was, and then you went into AR. I did indeed, and, and I know, should have completed No, no, it's yeah, fine, yeah, so yeah. we jumped in with something else, but, yeah. but there's, there's an AR element in so there. AR, AR is equally as exciting, and, and, and actually the new Facebook, the new Meta headset combines both, but AR, we traditionally are looking at virtual overlay on the real world world so instead of being completely immersed in an environment you're looking at the world around you through a, a glass frontage now that glass frontage could be your mobile phone could be a pair of physically a pair of glasses with right. a head-up display yeah but i'm i'd be looking at an object and i would see an, a digital overlay appear on it so this means i'm not just sitting in my house or my office or a training room with a vr headset on okay. i could be anywhere in the world so i could be walking through this lovely town of ironbridge and i could be looking at this building and i could see what it looked like Back a hundred years ago, Love or that. I could be looking at a, I'd be looking at a car, and suddenly I see the detail around it. I mean, that that technology for AI. If you speak to Apple, you you've all Apple converts in this yeah, room. Um, Apple are, are bringing out their AR glasses. Um, supposed to be coming out next year. Now that's going to change the world again because when Apple bring out a consumer product that looks nice, people buy it, and it, it will changes. look nice, and it will look nice they, because yeah. it's Apple. And, yeah. and actually, a pair of glasses coming out by Apple with AR on it is going to mean everybody buys AR glasses, which means that industry is going to shoot wow. up. So that's the next big growth, I think. AR, augmented reality on a pair, of, a, you know, pair of glasses. And these glasses aren't going to be that expensive because they'll couple to your iPhone, so the processor won't be in the glasses. So yeah, AR is, is, is something that we're very excited about. It's, it's, the pundits tell me it's going to be 10 times bigger than VR. Yeah. But at the moment it's not, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we're talking about how big something can get and mm. the parameters. Normally you go into an industry and you go, well, we mm. can see the, the boom here. We can yeah. see 
um, the fact that obviously lots of business might get involved in it and it's got a great saturation for the for you know globally locally and then you then think well it doesn't have a finite does it have an end at some stage will it will it only be exciting for so long but i guess with vr it just seems like there is it is an endless mm. opportunity you know I, I just don't know if there is a is there is, is there something that's going to stop it from doing particularly well what I, is- I think with technology it's sort of on this unstoppable growth even from the days when in the 80s when i was using my first computer power was it moore's law that every year the processing power of a pc gets bigger and bigger and bigger technology just is growing and growing and growing and and who knows where it'll end i mean it's a it's scary because it, i suppose where it could end is going to be ai it's yeah. going to be suddenly the, the 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 growth and the convergence of AR, VR, sensors that are in everything we have. Um, it's it literally, I'll be able to look at my fridge and the overlay will tell me what, what's missing or what's in there or maybe recommend a recipe based on what's in the fridge without me well, looking based, inside. Based I mean, on the fact that you've lost three stone, there's nothing in your fridge. There's <laughs> no, obviously my fridge nothing. is empty. I'm looking at the fridge and it's going, I'm empty. Yeah, I know, and you're yeah, going, oh, yeah. oh, God, God, yeah. you know. No, no, no. Exactly. It's funny though, isn't it? I mean, you know, before you would have had the smart screen stuff. I guess we've gone mm. through that smart screen revolution. Yeah. On your fridge, you can now, it will tell you what's inside. You'll have a little flap where you don't have to open the whole of the door. You can just go straight in and grab your yeah. most frequently used items. There is some sort of clever tech, but it's not everywhere. You know, it's 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 still a showpiece it thing. Is. VR seems like it has a more ability to got more overtake maybe everything that we're doing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's got more established. But the the certainly that growth of of um, and we're only just noticing it because all these chips. They call it Internet of Things, but every every device we've got has got a computer chip in, from the fridge to your computers to the phone to the coffee machine. Mm. That's all generating data. The moment we don't do anything with that data, very little with that data. But imagine when when you take that data and you start analysing it in real time, the value of that data is phenomenal for companies that want to tell you how much coffee you should have left or what you should be doing next. Yeah. I mean, my iPhone's getting that way, isn't it? It sort of tells to got confused today because I was coming here. Because normally I go somewhere quite regularly on a certain date. It tries right. to double guess where you're going, and the AI is built in. It sort of says, well, "Tim, we're directing you to Waitrose." I oh, know exactly. Normally yeah, you yeah. pick up a latte exactly. at four p.m. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's but that AI is, is serious. Is going right. to make a massive difference, and and of the way we live, and 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 that's we see that happen already but sometimes you can be in a too early you know Mm. i mean the thing is you're embedded now you've created quite a name for yourself already so i guess you're you're always going to be at that forefront or are you because you know you sort of think it's the it's the eight-year-olds and ten-year-olds of this world who are going to be developing i'm not revealing your age to anybody here tim but but i'm I'm no young um unfortunately no i'm not i'm I'm no longer there's no spring chicken no spring chicken's a word i was looking for (laughs) (laughs) i think um but how do you stay on top of it that's a no, it's a problem. I mean, I'm most, you know, it's terrible thing is because most uh, developers I employ are in their 20s, you know, but, and these guys are, and, and ladies are coming out of university uh, and, and they're keen, they're really good programmers. And you've probably, and, and actually, you've got to be looking to that sort of age range to say, these are your adopters of tech now. But if you look at the jobs, I read some article recently that said, you know, 15 out of the top 20 jobs in the next 10 years don't exist yet. We don't know what they are. Because they're so our, my son, who's what, he's he's probably a bit old now, so he's now fifteen. So he'll be probably looking if he goes to university, maybe be looking for a job in five years' time. Yeah. You know what job is he be looking for? A number of the jobs he's going to be looking for 
haven't yet been invented, and that's in five years. And you look at this, it's just fascinating, whether that's someone involved in robotics or whether that's someone involved in AI, whether that's something... It is phenomenal growth wow. in tech. That's quite... A fr- it's weird when you think about it like that. The, the exponential curve, I guess, of it technology is, yeah. has, has gone up. But interesting, I do a lot of work in schools and I talk at schools just as a, um, as a career, as an ambassador for d- different schools in Shropshire. And what's interesting there, when you do go to kids, you say, what do you want to be when you leave school? It's still very traditional, you know. I want to be a nurse, a doctor. I want to be a builder. I want to do instruction. I want to. It's, there isn't that many. So I want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, or I want to mm. run a tech company. It's oh, still, that's still, interesting. still not. So I think we've still got a long way. There's still a large, you know, considering that's going to be such a big commercial part of this country's growth. That seems a bit. It was Alan Shearer for me. That's who I wanted to be when was I was it? younger. Yeah. Yeah. A five-a-side team, if yeah. that was, unless that was miles away from the reality. I don't know. Was, <laughs> that, was it? You were quite a poacher at that time. Yeah. Well, he was. Yeah. Amstrad was the big. He was one of the pioneers, wasn't he, in tech in the UK? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I guess there's, 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 there's. You know, we were talking about careers earlier, weren't we, with our with our apprentice woman, um, Amanda, who is really great. Um, but but you know sometimes you just sort of think these jobs are they are they out there yet and is you know obviously Shropshire you want it to be to be leading the way but our careers advice all of us we talked about was pretty rubbish you know mm. fairly average careers mm. advice and great. I think it's because you're not empowering the schools colleges universities or teaching staff itself to go they they you know these jobs are out there and you've got people teaching computer studies who were my age and. Yeah older yeah, yeah. and then you kind of think okay well, that's curriculum syllabus based I get that but actually there's also you right. want some 18 year old to go well I'll teach you yeah. you know as terrifying as that may be I think careers are, you're absolutely right I don't think the schools there's no career service anymore there's very little involved in careers guidance for young people so where do they get their guidance from they get it from the internet or media or TV and and actually when you talk to universities when I looked at I won't mention but there's a four, I work with all the universities locally and you say what's your what's what's the biggest course and in the last couple of years, it's actually been the, the biggest application has been veterinary. Want to be, everyone wants to be a vet. Okay. Before that, I, it was, there was one university built a whole centre for a crime scene investigation. And you think, well, there's a trend here. And, a, and that trend is what's happening, what popular TV programmes right. are at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I think young people are heavily influenced by media yeah. and what, what they see. Oh, I'd like to do that job, I'd like to do that job. And that's the thing. Maybe, maybe we've got to somehow make... <laughs> Tech sexy again on TV and people would want to be the next Amstrad. It's part of the problem people don't understand it though. Like your clients, do they understand what VR is or do you have to, do you have to explain to them in the first place, this is what it is, this is how we can help you? Yeah, I think we used to have to do all that. And that was half the pitch was before we even pitch for the job, we've got to mm. do a bit of a, what is VR, what is AR, how does yeah. it work for you? We're not finding that happening anymore. No. People are coming to us with a clear knowledge mm. of actually we think VR could solve this problem. And and a lot of it is money now, you know, as a country, you know, everybody's tightening their belt a little bit. It's costing you you probably gone are the days where we can take a hundred people out on a training course for five days in a five star hotel. Yeah. It's yeah. gonna cost too much money. Yeah. So actually why don't we do it in VR? Why don't we give people this option to you know, it's a headset's three hundred pounds, you can use it time and time again. Let's get ten headsets, put all the training material we want on there, you know, send that out to people, they can do the training that way. So and you're gonna save thousands of pounds. 
literally. So the money makes a big difference, that, that demand makes a big difference. But I think generally people's adoption of this tech, and it helps that, you know, I read a stat recently, 50% of all VR headsets in this country are in universities and colleges. Mm -hmm. That means our students are graduating with a clear understanding and knowledge of this technology. So when they work in industry, they'll be saying, why aren't you using VR to do this? Yeah. Why aren't you? And so that you've suddenly got thousands of advocates of the technology then. Yeah. That's the coffee machine. Listening to us. And hold on, it's doing something now. It's deciding that we need another shot of coffee. <laughs> exactly. It's all a bit weird. Uh, Tim, uh, you're obviously a founder of a high growth tech startup uh, specialised in VR and simulation. Tell us how you got into VR and you know so, yeah. how you launch your business. So my, my background has, has been tech for many years, probably since I left. My first, my, I've always run my own business. Actually, my first business, and I wouldn't go back to it, it was really hard work, was a restaurant. And uh, oh, really, I'd love really to run a restaurant. And it was, uh, I was, I'd been to university, I'd taken a little bit of time out uh, in uh, France. I came back and I thought, what Shropshire needs is, French, is high quality French crepes. Uh, probably a little bit early for the crepe at the time when I did this in the early 90s. Um, so uh, I ran that for a year, but, uh, but it was really hard, I have to say. It taught me a lot. About what, front of house? You were cooking? You were, it was yeah. like a one-man band? I did you? employ a team. Okay. I mean, I, I tried to make it as French as possible, so French music and French decoration, French au pairs working there. The only thing that wasn't French was me. Right, but okay. apart from that, it was very French. And it Timothy. Was, yeah, I loved it a little bit. But it's hard, you know, young, you're, but you're learning every year. I mean, the, okay, I'm having to learn how to deal with stuff. I'm learning to deal with marketing. I'm learning about finance. I'm yeah. stock control. It, it was a really good learning. Where was it? I, oh, uh, well, actually, I say Shropshire. It was. It was the, my first restaurant was in Wolverhampton, and okay. I came out towards Claverley. So crepes was, in Wolverhampton. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> a bit. A, a bit. A bit. A bit. A bit. Yeah. A bit, a bit right, like, what's this? What's this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll have a crepe. I know. I know. Yeah. It is a shame, but it was good fun, and um, I learned a lot. I'd, uh, but then I, I'd, I'd already at university, I'd studied um, uh, with architecture. I'd used software in those okay. days uh, to do all the CAD stuff. I had a knowledge of tech, good knowledge of tech. Got my degree on that background. I decided to go back into tech. Uh, I worked a lot with universities in the West Midlands to help create tech uh, you know, faculties and departments. And, and it was in the days where tech, I mean, don't forget, in my lifetime, tech, the internet didn't exist when I started work. Mobile phones didn't exist when I started work. There was no email. There was no, no, none of this existed. Not bad for 27-year-olds. Oh, no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, no, it's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, we were going through such a phenomenal change of pace. Yeah. And, and that's what I got involved in. And then I, I thought, well, look, I need to spin. I need to, I, yeah, I've always wanted to be entrepreneurial. I never wanted to stay working for any one body, really. So I spun my, my first tech company out um, a number of years ago. And that was based on e-learning, education, and I, a bit like you were talking about this untapped talent and you knew there was stuff going on in the Midlands. I knew we had a strong games industry here, you know, building computer games. Really, you know, you've got a company called Codemasters down in Southam mm -hmm. that knock out all the Formula One games, just been bought by EA for a billion pounds. You know, <laughs> this is, these are big companies with really high skilled programmers. Yeah. That's created this cluster around the West Midlands of games developers and programmers. And I thought I could take that skill and take that fun and engagement in creating a computer game. If I could just take 10% of that, bottle it and create e-learning products that use games tech, we'd be able to get people more interested in learning than they would do by what I, when I was on doing courses, it was basically a, a library online of, of, of Word documents. I thought I'm going to make this exciting. So I did. I built games that were fun. 
and you'd learn and you get a qualification if you completed these games, but they were built in a games engine. So it was a fun way to do it way before VRA or any of that existed. So my, and that was a, that was a successful business. It did well. We got a lot of PR and generated a lot of that. That gave me the incentive to create further businesses and exit and start again. Okay. And, and my, my, my recent business, which we've been talking about, we've been talking for a number of years about, I, I decided to set up here in Telford. Really, because I had a, a council, a very business friendly, you know, council that's saying that we want, oh, it's good to hear. you know, yeah. and they, they, they said we want tech here. We, mm. we recognise Iron, but we reckon this is the, the you know, uh, it, Telford as a town was always built to attract uh, people from Birmingham. It was always seen as a sort of feeder in and out of Birmingham as good rail links. So I thought, okay, well, you know, Telford gives me an opportunity to start up something quite exciting. Uh, and it was in those days, VR was just coming out. You know, it was the very early stages of VR. We were still doing a lot of computer-based work. Um, and in those days, we built what are called caves, which are big, the opposite of VR, actually. <laughs> cave is a big room, probably about eight meters wide screen, where you, we'd immerse you in that environment. Right, okay. So you wouldn't put, wear anything, but you'd be standing in a room that uses multiple projectors and projects the image across all the walls. So you still think you're in that environment, but by standing in a room where you're surrounded by walls. We call it a cave, but it's a... Called now assisted virtual environment, but right, this okay. is before, of course, VR. I think I'm sat in, I've stood in one. I think you had a little mini one in your. Oh place yeah, up in yeah, a, in that's Nails right. Yeah. yeah, we've done some really big, big stuff in the, over the years. But you think about it, a VR headset is a cave in your on your head. Yeah. It's sort of replacing the need to have all that expensive kit. Put your VR headset on 360. You've got it all around you. So VR was always something that we followed and we wanted to get more involved. And so we were very early adopter. We were probably some of the first companies in the UK to build on VR, build build training product on VR, and that's just grown and and, and developed over the years. So you know, it's something that I've had a lot of interest and passion for. I've seen a lot of value come out of VR. I've seen people use it in the most innovative ways. And and it's and even now we're at the, it's as I say we're we're still at the early stage. Yeah. What was that? What was the kind of you know coming up to Christmas, and what was the sort of the eight-year-old Tim Luft like? The kind of you know what was the tech under the tree? Was there any you know I kind of imagine yeah, I did so, have a lot of tech. In fact, I just bought as nostalgia. I went out to eBay and I bought myself the old ZX Spectrum and all the old because that it when Love I was it. a. Do you never have a 32, 32, 64? I mean, which one did you have? You know, Ooh. it's like it's quite interesting because I thought you know my older brother was a ZX eighty, yeah, yeah, and a ZX eighty one, and he would yeah. spend nine or ten hours sort of getting, you know, working on something, writing in basic, in code, 10 equals let, 20 equals go sub 2000, whatever. And after about 10 hours, it was 1K, this, this, and it had a 15K RAM pack. And at the end of like nine or 10 hours of programming, you'd get a black block on the screen. And you'd be like, look at that. I know, amazing what you do. So apart from him getting me to lick the back of the lead sometimes. <laughs> you know, this was the amount of time it took to kind of create Mate. almost nothing. And if you think an empty email is sort of something like 23K or something, just an empty email yeah. with somebody, and this was 1K. 1K. Incredible. Incredible. Well, how much did Spectrum hours. set you back? I'd be interested oh, to know. It was about 80 pounds. Oh, but, was it? But I thought, it's still fully working. Does so it? I thought, yeah, so I thought, I've got to get one of those. So, so Daredevil, Dennis, Frogger, yeah, all those But you ones. think the most Jet basic games Brilliant. that you'd be playing, and yeah. Hours on, um, and my little, my lad, say not that little now. He's fifteen years old, but he, he must look at him. And think, what earth are you doing? <laughs> because he's there with his Xbox or whatever. But yeah, but it, that's where you know. So so where was I at eight? I was certainly playing computer games. I was certainly um, playing with some of the more uh, the, uh, what at the time I felt was cutting edge tech. Okay. Um, and and but I've always had aspirations to 
run my own business. Where, where, it doesn't matter what it was in, really. Mm. I've always had this urge that I want to go out and do stuff. And try Did you take stuff. stuff apart and put it back together again? Were you sort of engineering, logically minded? Or I certainly more... took stuff apart. Where yeah. I get it back together again? <laughs> <laughs> it's another story. The washing <laughs> machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mum's super cross this yeah. Christmas. Yeah. But yeah, I always did like to uh, strip radios down and have a look at the way things are built. Certainly on the electronic side, you know. Yeah. Um, which it's always fascinated me. But, uh, but was the learning there to plug you in? Was it enough for an eight-year-old, ten-year-old, twelve-year-old to go? You know, you know the I inputs. Think, are I think from? at that age, you know, if you're interested, and, and if you speak to all my programmers, none of them learned to program at school. They all learned to program in the home, in the bedroom. You know, they go, they? they go to school and they get it. They get a little. They get a little polished, but they don't learn at school, and they certainly don't learn at university. But what they do learn at university is how to program as part of a team, how to work collaboratively on a project, how okay. to communicate more, how to present, how to understand project management. It's those skills that they get at university. They don't get taught to program. Oh, we should definitely hook and, you in with Manny. Yeah. Here we are, yeah. Manny Atwell from School of Coding. In, oh, I know Manny. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. fantastic! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in here um, a couple last week. Just fantastic. We're doing some work with him, really, to try oh, and I like push Manny. Yeah, code. Yeah, just so on fire he really is he's got a great backstory but this is the whole point about you going all mm. these programmers are not doing it in school they're not doing it with because maybe there's no one with the skills to teach them because yeah. maybe that's an issue with the teaching staff i yeah. don't know but then yeah, well, the, i think the, people the that's why manny's it, that's why if you look at how successful manny's been because he goes in and offers coding clubs is that schools don't offer that service yeah. i suppose they haven't got people without knowledge and you know, there is a percentage of kids that do want to be trawled at that. And, and if we are going to compete with US, if we're to, we need to get Cody more more in a curriculum. I just think it is something that that, that has slipped. And we just, it's a, as you say, it's a staff. It's the yeah. having people with experience to do it. And talking about jobs of the future, Manny was saying, you know, he believes every job will require some kind of coding. Yeah, I think he's right to a certain extent, you know, and, and I've known Manny for many years mm. and we've worked together on projects, which has been great. But you think about, he, he's right in a way that you look at a Unity programmer. Um, when I set the business up, you you wouldn't see a, uh, uh, you wouldn't get an advert locally for Unity programmers, not many anyway. Now I look on one of the big job sites, put Telford in and there's hundreds of companies and you've and very diverse businesses. Why would that company want a Unity programmer? Mm. But it's because, like the council, why would Telford Council want a Unity programmer? Because they want that skill to do the 3D work to design for planning applications or for this, or people want that art and design skill for. So you, you are 100% seeing this divergence of skills of those, what would have been very specialist skills now going across the board, you know, and actually creativity. And for me, it's such an important part of my business. So if I'm, I absolutely need, I never send a, a report out. If I'm pitching for work, I'm not going to send a, a boring three-page or ten-page document. It's going to be something that someone who's got creative skill is made to look nice mm. and actually spent time mm. and, and smartened up. And that that's where those skill sets are so important. And people don't realise that, but it is... I'm glad because you explained what a Unity programmer was because I was sort of going, <laughs> oh, that is, yeah, 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 you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, again, a bit like social media... When you're part of something and, and it's directed mm. at you, you feel very connected to yeah. that. And then the sort of the older you get, the more other stuff. Ha and I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm late 40s. And mm. um, Facebook was the kind of thing that we, was adopted when we yeah. were in our sort of late 20s. It's, it felt like it was something directed at us, kind of. 
and you kind of grew with it. And now but we're the only group kind of still using it. Uh, you know, I talk to my 14 year old about Facebook and he literally mocks me <laughs> because it's just, what are you talking about? Yeah. Why on earth would I be on Facebook? You know, it's a bit like, yeah. well, what are you talking about? You know, so it's just interesting how that moves, but therefore you can feel quite out of it quite quickly. Um, and I guess, you know, some of the terminology, like what's a unity program yeah, yeah, is, is, is almost an excluder and maybe that, they no, like that. Yeah. Maybe that's a maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I remember you know coming walking around your place, and you had a lot of developers in there, and they probably fit what I would have assumed a stereotype of a developer would be. Mm. You know, they're sort of you know generally to to a man a man. Mm. Um, they were they all sort of had headphones or pods in or whatever, and they were kind of cracking on with their stuff, and they were sort of eating at their desks, and it was just <laughs> you know it was a kind of classic kind of. Yeah. Well, I'm fine because I'm really loving what I'm doing. I can't tear myself away. Is that is that changing? Is it is it is there a kind of diversity and equality really in those roles coming forward? Is that something we're pushing? I mean, I think generally it it is being pushed. I mean, it, the, the problem is, you know, there's only uh, I think less than ten percent of females, for example, coders. You know, okay. and it's very when you look at the job, but. It, it comes back, if you go to universities, how many on the courses? Again, it's less than 10%. It's just attracting, I think, women into the roles at that early age or attracting women into science, technology and maths yeah. is, is, is part of the challenge, really. And, and that we've got to go back to school level and really yeah. show that these are real opportunities. And you've got, you know, for people that are interested in that. And actually, people like Manny do a good job on that. You know, yeah. he, he managed to get quite a good mix of boys and girls getting involved in his coding. And I think that that is half the problem, um, you know, because we it's where you get the, the adverts from and then you go with the sort of people you've got i think the stereotypical view of and i suppose it is a stereotypical view of the programmers but they <laughs> you've got programmers and artists yeah and they're very different people personality wise uh, it, and and that is that you go to the biggest game studios in the world and i've been to some of the biggest and i've actually walked through studios i've walked through one room with 100 people and it's all pictures everywhere music going noise artwork all sorts of buzz happening and then you go to the next room, it's completely quiet. Everyone's got their headset on, they're just programming. That's the difference between artists and programmers, yeah, okay. and they're culturally very different people. Right. Now, what we tried to do was bring them together a bit, and it did work, you know, by actually creating things. Because everyone's got a certain skill, and you want someone to be who's really good at uh, programming to be really careful. Well, then you want the creative to come in with the idea. Then you want the QA to make sure that it's fit for purpose. Then you want a project, project manager. So you do want that mix of skills yeah, in any business. So that's what um, technology is pretty good at. You but of course you can encourage as many different sectors to kind of, you know, to say, mm -hmm. look, you can, you may not want to, yeah. but you know, it's the access to, it of is. course you want yeah. access to those sorts of careers for everybody to be able to choose whether if I want to go into that. But of course you might find, yeah, of course there's a lot of guys doing it because, you know, it's, it's a social introverted kind yeah. of you know perfect kind of gig for lots of those people who spent their lives playing video games and enjoying that the community that they've got they don't want to be particularly going out and being that social they're not outwardly yeah, kind of yeah. Ready, it's, you know. it's 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 how you wide it's, it's how you you yeah. know you're everyone's every, we all have grown aren't we i do believe you know we've all got certain skills we're good at and you do get some if you're good at maths in a, in a certain way and i wasn't i have to say i'm not a good programmer you know my brother different you know he's an exclusive but <laughs> 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 so, some people are really good on mathematical brains and but be, be, they're no good at art we all design you know and so you everybody's Everybody has their strength, and mm. it's uh, giving people an opportunity. And the beauty with tech 
is there are so many bits of it you can get involved in. You know, the whole creative industries is such a wonderful sector that we've got as a country that you can, no matter what your skill or what your background is, you can get involved in it. Love that. Uh, Tim, you've also been a technology advisor to the Department for International Trade, mm. uh, digital <laughs> champion, uh, no less. Um, yeah. How did that come about and what does your job so, entail? Yeah, what I, in my company, I did a lot of export. So we'd, we'd pitch for jobs in um, places like the Middle East. You know, everyone thought, where's the money? I know it's the Middle East, we'll go there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not quite that easy, unfortunately, but it was interesting. So we, it's still there by all accounts. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so we, we, we used, the UK have a great network of uh, high commissions embassies around the world, I have to say. For any UK company looking to export, there's a wonderful service that the UK government offer, which they put you on training, they help you open access to these countries. So I did a lot of work abroad where we'd take our technology, we'd show it off, we'd get in front of clients. And I was approached uh, by one of the, uh, the people in the Department of Trade who said, actually, you do a lot of export, Tim, but have you, would you help? We, we, as a country, want to bring in the brightest, the best, the most passionate entrepreneurs back to the UK. But for people who come to the UK who've never been here before, they don't know any of the networks, they don't know how to raise money, they don't know who the, who the clients are going to be, they don't know who they should work with. Would you be a mentor? Would you help these entrepreneurs, certainly in the digital space? So, and I thought, well, that's fascinating. I've never heard of a program like that. So I, I do that. I do it as much as I can. It's a part-time thing service. It's just time, really. So I support around about 10 entrepreneurs a year. And um, uh, where possible, I try and bring them here. Just trying to encourage them. Not every, you know, for a tech company, often where you locate depends where the market is. You know, if, if you're involved in cybersecurity, I'd probably say Malvern and that area is where our cluster is on that. EdTech tends to be Liverpool. Manchester way, so fin uh, financial tech, London probably maybe a little bit of Birmingham. So it depends where your background is, but yeah. So I I, I mentor uh, entrepreneurs from all over the world who come to this country. And, and that's Maxi. That's through Maxi House, or is that totally different? Is that a, well, that, is, that's my office that's is there. We do there. some work there, okay. but but we uh, we will locate companies that's best for them. You know, if we can persuade them that Telford's the best location, if it generally is, we want them to come here. Yeah. But it, but if not, we find the best location for them. And digital champion means the government says, hey, I mean, there's a few of them. Is there 10? Yeah, I mean, the government will basically say, you know, when we've got a a company here interested in VR and AR, we need to match that with a person who knows about VR and AR in the sector. And and the difference is if I was going to set up a business abroad, if you link me to someone who's done what I want to do in that country, that's going to speed up my journey tremendously because I'm going to bear with it. Someone, I'm not going to make the same mistakes. Yeah, so, oh, actually, oh, this is where you go to get a bank. This is where you need to locate. This is where you, this is a university you need to speak to. This is where you're going to get your best people from. This is where you can raise a bit of money. By the way, it yeah. is a network you can go to every Wednesday. It's going to link you. It's just having that, that, that network. And that's great that the UK do that. And it, it has helped attract a lot of really good companies. Right. Well, also, you have one of the best then LinkedIn profiles for that because yeah. let me read it. It be, <laughs> it's, it's, Tim, it's Tim Luff, digital media entrepreneur and UK government dealmaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't love, make that. I was I love I didn't, the idea yeah. that I'm just a government dealmaker. So, yeah, so only come to me if it's like a deal that I can make on behalf of the government. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a big. I, I like that. I didn't make I was given a title and I didn't choose it myself. But love it, it. Uh, <laughs> I, it was nice until Donald Trump decided that he was the new dealmaker. Then it was wasn't as attractive a title. <laughs> oh, make VR great again. It is one of those. But no, yeah. I mean, with that comes, of course, great responsibility. Of course, you know, when mm. you're mentoring people, you want, you're, you're trying to grow this industry. This isn't a, you know, you doing it for you. No, no, it's, it's for the country. It's for the future. We, we need to be 
a, a leading country when it comes to tech, no question. If we're going to, you know, we don't, you know, it, it, where are we going to succeed? Where are we going to compete in the world? It's going to be our innovation. It's going to be our, our our knowledge, our experience, our skill base in creating technology where we own our own intellectual property here. We sell and license across the world. You know, that's the way we're going to generate a massive part of our GDP going forward. And we've got to be innovative. Yes, we've got to be innovative in ways where technology be used to, for sustainability and environment. We've got to be looking at technology for the greater good as well. But we've, but that's how, as a country, we're going to compete with globally. You know, we, we and that's how, we, that's why it is so important, and that's why we do need to attract the best brains yeah. and minds here to build that. Yeah, Definitely. I remember um, when when you gave me a run through of your stuff, and it was probably three or four years ago, maybe maybe mm. now. But I was fascinated by the. It wasn't it wasn't about the, the particular whether it was quality of of you know once you put the headset on and you're walking around, but it was the the bit that you touched on earlier about the safety element of. I mean, there was was there a program you'd done for the police where it was almost about, you know, when you're trying to kick a door in and then work out yeah. where the person, or how to deal with these kind of emergency responses where it's a volatile situation. Exactly. But for them to test all that out with a headset just removes mm. all that element of the sort of danger and whatever. But, but does that create a sort of a blasé nature in reality? How do you no, marry the Actually, it does the opposite. I mean, one of the problems that the police have, and they've told me this openly, that they, to be a police officer, now you can go in via different routes. And one route is you do degree in policing. So you might do that part-time, and you might do a bit of part-time work in a, in a police uh, force. And then you, before you know it, you're out on the beat. You could be put in front of the most serious incident within two weeks of, of graduating right, okay. so and the problem is these young people just haven't had the experience of being put into those situations you know very unpleasant situations sometimes very noisy very aggressive um, and the only way to actually allow people to replicate what that might be without trying to employ actors and actresses to sort of mock something up is put them in VR, put them in, replicate those environments, just so they've got some idea what they're going to go into. Yeah. Because it, it, it is a shock for people. You know, they had a lot of people who would leave the police after doing all that work, yeah. doing all the degree. So they're traumatised yeah, by traumatized that first experience. experience. So and the, it, the old, in the 80s, it would be watch series one of The Bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Get a bit of yeah. an idea about what goes on. And then yeah. now, yeah, I mean, that, that sort of real yeah. life life as close as it can be yeah. and maybe that's the the, the continuity then of, of, of VR in terms of the improvement mm. going maybe six seven years ago when you were kind of kicking it into it in the beginning it was not quite as realistic so therefore you yeah. couldn't really live it and yeah. then when James and I were talking about this last week when we we um, were getting you in to James to recount the the reality of of him yeah. on the high wire yeah. about to walk the plank and knowing that he was in a boardroom mm. in Shropshire, but physically couldn't power his own legs to go, brain, you know what's going on. The visual being so strong. Absolutely. Um, it, yeah. You know, it's, it is mind-blowing. Mind mm -hmm. We could officially use mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it feels like the, 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 the change has happened so quickly. You'll yeah. see it. You'll think it's probably a bit slower than that because you're in it day to day. Yeah, but you're right. But if you just go from, you know, uh, two years to a year, it, it is a big change. I mean, that's the challenge of the, the hardware sector in this is is you've got probably three or four big players and that's it in terms okay. of the hardware, you know, uh, Meta being one who own Oculus um, and you've got a Chinese equivalent, you've got HTC, but there's not that many other big VR manufacturers. There is there's becoming these big monopolies in the tech. 
So we'll have to see how that pans right. out. But there's a big jump, you know, to get into that industry. How many billions would you need to, to oh, even think about? Big player. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. So. Well, look, I'm giving you here, I'm, I'm, it's Christmas coming up. My 14-year-old will be thinking, right, what, what, what could I get? And I'll go, well, hold on a second, maybe. He would love a VR headset, I'm sure. But, I mean, you know, what do you do? I mean, where, where, you know, give, a, give, me a, give me a rundown of I the think, best I VR think, presents. Uh, uh, an Oculus Quest 2 is the, right. probably the one Type to buy for him. Oculus Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the current one. I mean, there is a brand new one coming out. The new one's a bit pricey. Uh, well, how much is an Oculus well, Quest Two? It's about three hundred pounds. What's two. the pricey one? Though? You deleted it now. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I've just deleted one of the one of the yeah. one of the. Instead, it's now Oculus Quest One. One, <laughs> which must be a hundred quid. It's about right. It must yeah, be yeah. It's about right. right. It's about okay. right. Is that expectation? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the new Meta, yeah, I think, it's one thousand five hundred. Which is, is it? Yeah, a little bit. And you wonder what's going on. Why are, why are Meta pricing a new headset at so high? It's a wonderful bit of kit, but it's very expensive. It, it's XR, so it combines AR and VR to a certain extent. But you think that is a hell of a jump. That takes it out of the consumer market, as far as I'm aware. You know, yeah. I'm thinking that's moving there. They're seeing this as more of a business tool now. They're not seeing it as much to price it like that. So um, unless it comes down. Brutal. But, uh, yeah. Okay. So I think the Oculus is still a, is still the most popular, best selling, and the reason it is is because the uh, the store where you can download all the fun stuff, the games, and the is just so big, and there's so much choice. It's like oh, okay. Apple. Yeah. You know, when Apple came out, they had iTunes. It was the everyone had to have that because that's where you get your music. Oculus have got the same. There is a competitor. There's a company called Pico. It's a Chinese competitor okay. owned by TikTok. So that's the that's oh. the uh, uh, their competitor to, to Meta, which again price wise is about the same. They have a, their own store. Um, I'm no expert on this, but I'm told that no, you no, what do you mean? You are you, know, well, you well, are the expert. My expert when it comes to the <laughs> when it comes to the content on the Pico yes, store. Okay. And and uh, when I say I'm not an expert, I'm talking about the computer games that you play from right, that okay. because I don't really so you're play not a computer programmer. games. <laughs> you're yeah. no expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are lovely little outtakes. I'm an imposter. <laughs> I'm an imposter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Little short. short I'm an imposter. Says to you know, champion. But apparently the games the. The game store on Pico isn't as good. So right, okay. less choice, apparently. But maybe for work, we could get away with a meta... Oh, Jack's eyes are lit up. <laughs> maybe we could find a way of using it yeah. somehow. Yeah. would be exciting. Wait to the January sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Tim, uh, Shropshire seems to be quite a hotbed for entrepreneurs right now and startups. Why do you think that is the place? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think there's... Probably three fundamentals at Shropshire Office. Why I'm here, you know, one, it's a nice place. You know, here we are sitting here, in, a, in, in Ironbridge. It's a beautiful uh, countryside. It's a beautiful valley here. I've seen Shropshire. You know, I've, I've been. I'm going up and down London an awful lot. In fact, I'm supposed to go next week, and I'm dreading it. There's no trains. There's no trains. Yeah, that's that's why I'm dreading it. Yeah, yeah. The one day they want me to go is the day in between the two strikes. So <laughs> I thought, was chances of me getting there are probably slim. Yeah. But you know, you, where you come? So one, it's a nice place, and it's a nice place. You get a nice quality of life. It's uh, affordable accommodation, affordable both business accommodation and personal accommodation. Uh, so and it's so number one that attracts people. There's no question about that. I think mean, number two, 
you have got the availability of people, of skills. So, you know, why, why do people come in to set up businesses? Because you, you might have your idea in London or Newcastle or Sheffield, but you want to build that business up with a team around you that's, that's not going to cost you the earth. So we're not got anywhere near the prices that we'd have to pay in London or, 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 or the home counties for staff. So you can set up a team here half the price probably of what mm. it would cost you if you're in central London. So it's affordable at that as well. And we're seeing accessibility of finance is a big thing. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you need money, you know, and you need to either borrow money or you need to raise money in terms of either equity investment, loan, grant, um, Kickstarter. And what we are finding in the Midlands generally, not just Shropshire, is that is, and it, maybe it's part of this levelling up agenda, whatever, maybe it's not, but there's more availability of funding here than there ever has been before. And when I talk about funding, I'm talking about angel investors. Okay. These are people who say, okay, I'll give you a punt, I'll put 150000 on the table, I'll take 20% of your business or whatever it might be, but for that, I'm going to give you £150,000. These angel investors are benefiting from tax breaks. They can get off SEIS and EIS. They yeah. can get 50% yeah, uh, offset on tax. So you've got good networks of angel investors. We've never had that before. And no. that's, they're Shropshire angels, or are these angels both, that yeah. are kind of I've got, from outside I've looking in? To, both. I've spoken to several from Shropshire, you know, high net worths in Shropshire. Actually, it doesn't have to be a very high net worth anymore because it's someone who's making a profit wants to offset some of their profit against an investment yeah. into tech. So you've got some really good Shropshire investors now that's mm. built up which we'd never had before and never had when i set business up you know you've got midlands venture capital that's government backed that you never had before and you've got innovation pots coming up from birmingham and and the combined authority and all these wonderful areas around so availability of finance is a big part and, right. and a big incentive and then you've got this concept of a cluster yeah people want to be where other people are doing a similar sort yeah. of thing and and that's why you know, I've always spoke to the councils about this. You've got to cluster businesses together. Mm. That's why Ironbridge was, you know, so successful in its day. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because it was exactly. that cluster of people yeah. working in the, 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 the iron and, and from that looking at the supply chains around and that creates that. Then you've got the same with, in South and with Codemasters, you've got a big games developer and everybody supplies that around, you know. We had innovation cluster around universities for a number of years because they wanted access to that knowledge base, you know. So I think that, that, that when you start to see clusters of people, you think, oh, well, that guy's there, that company's there, I think I'll go there. And that, that helps as well. So there's a number of ingredients why Shropshire is a, is a, is a good place. We are reasonably well connected. Still do we get a little bit better physically connected. I think mean, we still want to do a bit more on that as well. How, how are you splitting your time, though, between being the champion, being someone who, you know, is, is responsible for bringing people together, mm. talking up the sector, you know, because you're obviously very good at that, and then the day job, or is are you a 24-7, are you yeah. a night owl, are I'm, you... I'm, I'm probably, probably we're doing way too many hours, you know, in terms of <laughs> what I should be doing. You know, and my wife would probably say the same in terms of, I'm, I'm, you know, we do long days, long works. I, I, it is a balance, but I've got good people that can support me in what I do. So it's not... It's not just me. You know, if I'm supporting entrepreneurs, I've got a good network of people that I can bring in to help, whether that's someone to advise on IP or someone to help with business development or someone to help with PR marketing, for yeah. example. You know, it'd be good. It's, you want to have that network of people around you that you can introduce to do that. Yeah. So it's not all down to me. 
then uh, and and the same with the business really you know i've been lucky enough to build up a, a a company so i have some regular clients who i know and you know as i build that up you know it's um we've been able to build on the successes of ones we've had before so with people you get to know you get part of their longer term strategy so it it's just it's all that life's all about balance isn't it and it's about creating yeah. that balance but you still seem super excited about it that's the, no, the great I think, thing so. I've, yeah always been since a young kid tech and the opportunity of tech and how it can change. Yeah. I mean, tech for good, you know, I mean, you know, there are people scared about the Terminator and what might happen in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, tech yeah. can also play a really role in tech for good. Yeah, how can tech help people, assisted living, help people at home, all the elderly not going into care homes? How can we help spot problems before they happen? Or how can we help with train people so they don't, to be better at what they do how can we increase productivity as a result how can we help so there's so many ways tech could actually be a real force for good and i think it doesn't often get that acknowledgement it's it was seen as being a bit of the negative so it's a it's champion as well. you must have been bad at something at school i'm trying to i'm, no, hoping, that bad sports, at lots. I'm hoping at sport yeah. you were pretty useless <laughs> yeah, yeah, how yeah. Was, how was your I, I, was, I was pretty bad at a lot of things in school so <laughs> i don't you got any problem language there. skills yeah, terrible sport terrible. great it's terrible. good to hear everybody yeah. really good to hear. Uh, you know so no no i haven't uh, I, I was never uh, I, I I used to do a little bit of running, and but it was about it, you know. I'm not, not heavy. I love watching sport. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great audience sports uh, you know supporter of sport. But as, you know, as you said when you came in, I was like, gosh, you're you're half. It, it, this is a positive way yeah, of yeah. saying you were half the man yeah. I remembered. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, But that's because you've lost a stack of weight, and and that is mm. lockdown. Lockdown really was the 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 jolt to me to think. Well, I'm 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 uh, approaching a big birthday. And um, be 30th. Yeah, 30th, exactly. <laughs> and I need to... <laughs> we'll keep going, we'll keep going down this line. <laughs> and I need, to, I need to think about getting fit and healthy. And this is probably the one chance I've got to actually... Because I'm not out all the time. I'm not going to pubs, restaurants, bars. And I used to travel a lot. And travelling, you didn't tend to eat and drink. And, and it wasn't good and healthy. And I thought, well, I've actually got a, a window in my life where I can make a change. And I did that in a positive way in terms of you know, cutting back on... Probably foods that taste nice but are pretty bad for yeah. you, which is a shame. But replace them with foods that equally taste nice that are better for you. Great. You do get used to, and doing exercise and and it's uh, and I've tried to keep kept it on now, and it's just something that it, it's like everything in life. You do things enough time, you get used to it, becomes a habit, and you just, you try to sort of. Uh, we we yeah. were approached by a, a client though, and I will, they were remain nameless, and it, it maybe it could still happen. And it, they said, "Oh, Tim, you know, we want to do AR glasses for people to help them lose weight." Because they did this study and they worked out that actually the more you eat, the more you put weight on. Makes sense. I could have helped with that. Helped with that. So uh, <laughs> if there's a big thing now, if you eat, if you put the small amount of food on a small plate, yes, you don't feel as hungry. If you put the same amount of food on a big plate, Agreed. You think, oh, I'm, I feel outdone okay. by. So they said, could you wear a pair of glasses to make a small amount of food look big? <laughs> I said, well, I'm sure wow. there's a way. I haven't worked it out yet, but there will be a way. Rather than go, hey, everybody, eat yeah. a little bit less, yeah. there is, right, how do we make a little bit of food look like look a big. lot? So then in your brain, you're thinking, I've eaten plenty. Well, do you know what? It'd work with James, because if James is terrified about walking on a gangplank <laughs> in a shop shop boardroom, yeah. I reckon, not he, yeah, yeah. obviously not that he needs to lose any weight, everybody. Um, <laughs> thank <you>. Thanks very <laughs> much. Thanks very much. Um, but no, I mean, there are so many examples. This is the thing, yeah, I guess, yeah. about an industry. That's why it's, it, you're still very wide-eyed, excited about it, because, and that's why you're a great champion, because mm. naturally there seems to be, everywhere you turn, another opportunity. Yeah. You know. it's, I suppose the challenge is a younger me jumps every opportunity. Oh, da, da, da. I think now, you're a bit older, maybe a little bit wiser, you just pull back a little bit, and that's just... 
not run into the first opportunity. You okay. look at the commercial potential value of what you're doing because you're going to be, whatever you do, anything new you're going to do is going to cost you money. You've got R&D that goes into it. You've got time, you've got development. And, and you know, when you're a young startup, you'll do anything because you want to get, you know, I want to have a go at that. I'll have a go at that. We'll build that. We'll develop that. And now you've just been thinking, actually. Right, okay. and, and it's all about timing. You know, commercialization of all this technology is, is the timing right? Are people going to accept this technology at this time? And that's the, that's as equally as important as building it, understanding it, what you release when. And, you know, when we've worked with people, all my developers would want to work on the most expensive PC you can get, the best graphics card, the, one, the latest technology. So it's like Jackson. You know, like, yeah. They all want it. But yeah. the, the clients that we're supplying to are working on stuff that's nine years out of date. So that software that we're developing for the best technology, you take it out the road, take it down, it's going to work really slowly on someone's old laptop of 10 years ago, but that's what they've got. So yeah. it do, there is always a t- the constraint. Yeah. That's the only thing. So advice then for, for, you know, we've talked a lot about advice for people, sort of pearls of wisdom, but advice for someone wanting to get in at any age. So this could be looking around the table and seeing a collection of, of different ages here. Um, how would we get into VR, but also from a, from a kid's perspective, and from parents trying to encourage their kids to go into the next big thing, you know, yeah. what, 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 how, how think, do we get in? Yeah, I think pull back a little bit. I think there's three things. I think number one, what I always say, someone said to me when I was really young, you know, any business you might want to run, you've got to, you've got to solve a problem. So what's the problem you're trying to solve? Because too many startups are just got this idea but it's not actually solving a problem and and everything has got to be there so yeah no matter how how young you are you're looking around you've got ideas you know uh, uh if it's solving a problem make a note of it I, how could i do that how could i do it better how could i do it differently how could i solve that problem now that problem might be solved by tech in which case you've got a business idea you know you've got that so so you know i used to have a little notebook and i used to write down all these ideas and i say oh i've got an idea there. i could I, how could i do that you know you could be sitting in a bus stop how could i make well, it wouldn't be good to know where the bus is now yeah. you see the bus stop that you know exactly where i was going to be I, when were we and we didn't you know but all these little things you know wouldn't it be nice i can't want to pay i've got no change how do i you know and but all these problems that we had as young people yeah. is gone yeah technology course. has solved all these problems but you, there's still plenty of opportunity out there so number one be observant, look around, look and see where there are problems and, you know, you come up with ideas and solutions. I think if you're interested in tech in any shape, have a go. It's like everything. Have a go. You know, you've got people like Manny at the School of Coding. You can, you can have a go at an after-school club. You can go to one of these coding clubs. You know, I'm we're involved in a, and, I, and I'll mention just in case anybody's interested, you know, we're, we're, we're supporting a government-backed course a, a, to, to train people in XR. You know, okay. so it, these are employees. So if someone's working for somebody and that employer says, oh, yeah, what, I, I, I'd like this person to be upskilled in VR and AR, they can go on a six-week course and they can be trained. It's free of charge, you know, funded by the government. <laughs> so we some, can do without, Jack, but yeah, yeah. it looks exciting. That's the problem. Six weeks out of the office. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I think, you know, no, we won't have a go because you can, you, and there might be an element that you like and it, it doesn't have to be programming. You know, I always say this to people, you know, people, oh, I've got to be really good at maths and physics. No, that's not. If you don't want to be programmer, you might want to be artist. You might want to be a designer. You might want to get involved in the business around tech. It's, you, there's, there'll be a role to play yeah. if you like tech generally, if you, you know, and embrace it and see. So give it a go. Go to some open days at colleges and universities. Enroll yourself in some short courses. Try and do work experience in a in a VR or AI if that's what you're interested in. You know, uh, I get a lot of work experience requests. I do as many as I can, mm. but they're, they're people that are interested in this area. And you put them in the studio for a week. They come in. Oh, that's good. 
don't want to do that as a job. You know, right, you okay. certainly see the 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 the, the positive light, the light in the fire. Yeah. And and I think we know we need more employees to do more of that as well. You know, yeah. people to sort of engage our young people and, and talk to schools and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I I think just be be you know I'm a glass half full person, so you got to go out there. There's always opportunity, and go out there and 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 try it. And if it yeah. fails, fails, fail quick. That's what Google used to say, isn't it? Do out, fail. If you if you fail, fail in three months and do the next one. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I love that philosophy. Yeah, it's quite know? nice actually, isn't it? Because yeah. and again, you know, failure isn't something that people sort of want to accept really these days. But yeah. actually, everybody we've had in here, there are stories of it hasn't worked out. Yeah, exactly. But I learned from that and did this, and I think Certainly, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, we've all made some terrible errors, and that's why mentoring is so important because you know a mentor can then actually tell you, actually, I did a fail completely. Don't go make that mistake, and you know. Like, Okay, it's good. Yeah. So, so getting good mentors as yeah. you get older. I'm not talking about you, young kid, but as you start to set your first business up, these startup, these entrepreneurs, be part of a good mentors, hind right? people who can help you develop those businesses is is something that's key as well. Yeah. God, everybody we talk to, there's always this lovely moment after you know, was mm. we drawing to a close. You kind of go, we could keep talking. I know, I know. I know. You know, it, it is, but yeah. it is because. This is why it gets. I'm so frustrated about Shropshire sometimes as a county, and and maybe from its promotion, whoever is responsible for that, we're doing our bit to promote our clients, of course. But the Shropshire as a county is packed with really super talented people, and it just has has, has enjoyed the, the the approach of really not wanting to shout about it because it loves that it's this hidden gem, this horrific yeah. two words that go together, um, of a hidden gem. I, I would love you know everybody to be looking here to go. This is where I want to root my business. We this just where, need you know, some ecosystem here more ecosystems to encourage yeah. people to come stay and set their businesses up you know that's the because the, the danger is people oh i'll get drawn into a lot of people go to university and then they might stay where the university is which isn't good for us if their university isn't in shropshire yeah. some will then f- be drawn by the lights of london and think oh well i'm going to earn more money down there i'm going to go to london for a few years and come back see so shropshire has a lot of people who've made their money in london and then come back because it's such a nice place to retire to or work out what I'd like to see is some more of those ecosystems, those those facilitated accelerators and incubators and that would help entrepreneurs set up. I mean, that's that's where we need to compete right. with the rest of the country. Yeah, that's really strong. Well, mm. that is a clarion call, if ever Excellent. I heard one. Thanks, Tim. Thank no, it's you so much for coming in. It's um, it is a treat to talk to you. No, it's been a pleasure. It's, it's been great, great to, to see you, you again. I mean, it's been it has been an age. Yeah. You know, thank you. And, and, you know, I think this is something that we want to kind of stay in touch with a lot. I think we want to kind of keep, you know, anybody that you come across then who you think, actually, it'd be great to chat about what you're doing, shove them our way and we'll get them on the podcast. You know, it'd be really good. Um, You know, we love it. I'm really enjoying these. I'm really enjoying these.